2: The Elder Scrolls
1: Lorecast! Welcome
0: to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, a place where the Elder Scrolls community can come together to discuss the boundaries of our knowledge about the universe of the Elder Scrolls. adventurers we are back it is time for the elder scrolls lore cast actually it was time for the elder scrolls lore cast like uh four days ago uh but that didn't happen because life yeah. life happened yeah. and then the weekend happened life issues. and then holiday happened so we're doing it today it's a uh, monday which is weird we've never done the show on a monday it feels different in here it feels a little bit more monday-y
1: um, uh, that's, uh, i don't know if that's a good thing or
0: not <laughs> um i am your host tom or robots and this is uh my co-host lotus of doom lotus how's your monday going
1: uh it's been an interesting monday at least on the game fronts. otherwise it was just kind of normal work uh <laughs> my uh sounds exciting let's go to uh <laughs> zenimax for the current uh issues they're dealing with on the tech side of things so hopefully they can get everything in the world of eso uh under control soon i i, I feel bad for the late shifts that are probably going to be happening throughout that office
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so there's some there's some issues going on with, with sony uh with the playstation and eso and it looks like it's going to be a few days till things are ironed out so uh, good luck mm-hmm. teams uh technology is difficult all of this stuff is tough um also though what is this, this is the seventh anniversary
1: of the game it is seven birthdays seven years I know, but the first one count as a birthday i don't, I don't know if that's <laughs> it's
0: it is your actual birthday if right, you were born exactly. on that day yes so But either way, yes, seven years old, (laughs) seven years old. Oh, man. So congratulations, team. You guys have been putting a lot of work into this over the years, and a lot of us appreciate it. Um, I know I know we do because we get to do a show about this stuff. Um, So speaking about the show. We've been brainstorming about some concepts to tackle, and we're going back to the uh, the origins of this show. The very first episode, we started talking about the gods and the demons. And of course, that's not the phrasing that is used in the Elder Scrolls. It's the uh, the, uh, the why is my brain falling apart? It is the <laughs> Adra and the Daedra. And there's also other things going on with that as well, depending on the culture and your perspective on the world. So we decided, you know what, let's talk about the divines. Let's talk about the Aedra that we know of from the pantheons of Cyrodiil and the elves and at least the main pantheons of Tamriel and then kind of dissect them a little bit. So we're starting, and, and this is appropriate, we're starting with Akatosh, who is the basically the god of time. So he's the one who started everything and nobody else could have even formed without the time to do so. So so there you go. We're starting with Akatosh. So we're going to just dig right into this because we covered this stuff or I covered this stuff way back two years ago when the the show launched. But we're going to go into a little bit more detail now that we've created a, a fun foundation of everything else with the world that we've talked about. So let's go through... um, I'm going to be digging into the UESP uh, notes about this, and we're going to expound upon that a little bit as we go. And so, of course, Akatosh, known as Ariel or Ariel, so one of those has a dash E L at the end, the other doesn't, uh, to the Aldmer, and Bormahu, father to the dragons, and Alkosh to the Khajiit is the chief deity of the eight or nine divines and uh, as prescribed by the religious cults of Cyrodiil and its provinces, and of course, the Altmer. Um, He is present in most Tamrielic religions. His avatar is a golden dragon, and he's often called the dragon god of time. A lot of this stuff should be f- familiar to most of you who have played Skyrim, for example. He is generally considered
1: yes, to be... The oh. many references in ESO. Oh yeah, no, yeah. no worries. I was going to say, especially throughout Elsewhere, there's a lot of nods to it um, throughout there through the various trials and stuff like that you get lots of little touches um from the kajidi side of it with alkosh and stuff
0: oh yeah yeah that's definitely one of the reasons to play through eso is that you get the different perspectives from the different regions and cultures and those kinds of things. Uh So um, he's generally considered to be the first of the gods to form in the beginning place. The beginning place, like very, very technical term there. After his establishment, other spirits found the process to be easier and the various pantheons of the world emerged. The Adric Spirit is the ultimate god of the Cyrodiilic Empire, where he embodies the qualities of endurance, invincibility, and av- everlasting legitimacy while promoting the virtues of duty, service, and obedience. Now, I love the dynamic here, even in this uh, writing, of the two different ways that these things are approached. There's the metaph- metaphysical description of the deity. And the beginning of time, and all of these kinds of things. And then there's the way that the culture holds on to that concept and uses it for their own benefits, or at least for their own uh, mission statement, I guess you could say. So, this
1: idea that that's, this, I think, a good way to put
0: it. Yeah. Like the Cyrodiil, the Cyrodiilians value these specific things. So, is it because they're getting those concepts from that deity? Or is it that they are projecting those values onto that deity because that's who they're claiming to be their primary deity? You know, this is one of those things that happens in the real world too. So it's it's interesting because it's not particularly clear. You know, if you were to say, Akatosh represents duty, service, obedience, invincibility, endurance, everlasting legitimacy. Well, yeah, okay, like the, the god of time sure that stuff makes sense you have to be on time it's your duty you know it's your service to to maintain that for everything like all of these words make sense but would akatosh claim that of itself becomes another question right is that or is that something pressed upon akatosh
1: yeah exactly it's and that's where you kind of see some of the it's one of the things that's so unique about the way Elder Scrolls is written is they're always well not always but usually that you, you'll discover as as we cover each of these that they have similar names throughout regions some of the gods don't or some of the divines don't exist in certain um you know cultures but when they do they have their own little twist to them each time that mm. makes them unique to that culture and to your point. Is it the culture that's putting some of that on the divine mixed with what the divine itself actually stands for? So then you get these, oh, well, you know, it's Oriel or it's Akita. So it's always it's the baseline for it. And then it's each little twist on their take to the divine in question. So very cool way of uh, making it feel like. The cultures are unique even when they all have a similar thing it's everybody's unique take on the situation
0: right yeah in um modern philosophical circles when they talk about uh nietzsche and the death of god and these kinds of concepts um these these kinds of ideas float around in those circles because it's the idea that like are we defining ourselves based on something that's being projected onto us by the divine or are we defining the the divine by the things that we want to see in ourselves Are we actually looking at ourselves and taking our greatest qualities and projecting them out there into something bigger than ourselves you know like so which which direction does that actually go Uh, and the same thing could be said about what's going on here and it's interesting because each of the different cultures seems to do that a little bit this idea that the khajiit to, to the khajiit all of the gods are cats they're all, you know, <laughs> right. like they, it represents their culture being projected onto the divine. Um, and then you get to uh, the Yakutans, and the culture is very different. And the way they talk about their divines is very different. And, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit as we get further on. Um, anyway, it goes on and says Akatosh is thought to be the father of all dragons, and their leader Alduin was titled firstborn of Akatosh. If you guys played through Skyrim, this will sound all very familiar. Alduin later came to proclaim himself a god, promoting Parthenaxt to turn on him for forsaking his duty to Akatosh. Forsaking his duty to Akatosh. Notice the word duty was used by the Cyrodillians to explain what Akatosh represents to them, and so therefore what they should be. So it would make sense that Parthanax is saying, you're not being who you should be because Akatosh would never have forsaken his duty. So therefore you cannot claim this of yourself. You cannot take it for yourself. Um, It goes on and says, and we'll kind of buzz through this stuff pretty quickly, Uh, uh, and resulting in in history, considering Alduin to be the Nordic aspect of Akatosh. Akatosh is the patron of the Akatosh Chantry, the religious order devoted to the worship and glorification of him, who refer to him as the Great Dragon, right? The dragons are all his first children, and so therefore he's the Great Dragon. Again, projecting mm-hmm. the, ch- the the shape of the children onto the deity. Does the deity actually look like a dragon? Probably not. The warp in the West and other dragon breaks are thought to result from Akatosh's temporary loss of control over the flow of time, which is interesting. It shows that there are limitations, that he's not necessarily an all-powerful divinity, that sometimes time can break, the dragon can break.
1: Right. You have any thoughts on those? Kind of a theme, yeah. Well, that's kind of a theme with a lot of these uh, variations on gods, divines, etc. Throughout this year, when we had discussed different Daedric princes, they all have limitations. these beings aren't just omnipotent superpowers, even though they have extreme power and control over realms and their their spheres and stuff like that there are limitations to each of them even you know in this example specifically with with akatosh you've got him controlling time but when things get out you know you have like the Numidium or something like that something can overwhelm him or per i was gonna say i don't really think eldwin has gender specifically Uh, uh, sorry akatosh um well once we were talking about the noise but yeah akatosh doesn't really have like so it can overwhelm so to speak the sphere of influence there and just literally break akatosh so hence a dragon break because Mm -hmm. it's snapped his you know control over the flow of time and that's where you get these very interesting twists in the stories with timelines merging and multiple things happening through all the different threads of time and everything like that so it's um interesting just to see that even the quote unquote gods in the series have their limitations right. to an extent some right. much easier to control than others when you get into you know some of the lesser beings and stuff like that but yeah Interesting concept that time itself isn't even something that's unwarpable in this series right right and and i in the real world that's also an interesting concept,
0: like if time were to stop and then start again, how would we even know it, very true we wouldn't we wouldn't know we are within time, like time could be starting and stopping infinitely every second, and we would never be aware of it. Um, which is another even bigger concept. Um, Anyway, moving on, uh, most traces of Akatosh disappeared from the ancient Chimer legends during their so-called exodus. Remember back the Chimer episode? They left the Aldmer, traveled across the continent, and eventually became the Dunmer. The the use of Akatosh in their worship was removed, basically. And this part's really interesting. Primarily due to that god's association and esteem with the Altmeri. He represented the people that they were leaving, and they wanted to be different from that group. However, several aspects of Akatosh, which seem important to the mortal races, namely immortality, historicity, and genealogy, have conveniently resurfaced in Almalexia, the most popular of Morrowind's divine tribunal, which is also interesting because, of course, the tribunal is worshiped by the Dunmer, and those aspects are now associated with her. As a mother figure, she also embodies the idea of being a progenitor, albeit a female rather than a male one. So one could say that at least the qualities of Akatosh are not entirely neglected among the Dunmer, even if his name is. Which is interesting because it shows that those concepts may be more fundamental than the label ascribed to who owns those concepts. Any thoughts on this? Yeah.
1: One? <laughs> Interesting. I, so this is, um, reading up on this, I, I did not know that prior. So that kind of, pulls back to what we had talked about before when sometimes it's cultures attributing what they want onto a deity and in this case it's the deity that's more being removed from the situation and it's like well we already have a deity why don't we just attach these values in this case to Alexia it's right. like oh well we'll go with something familiar to us as opposed to you know the more universal dragon approach that the um, so many of the other cultures hold so that's that's a different twist on on still holding true to something that's there but to a totally different entity like that talk about you know is a cat version dragon version well this is i guess the amalekevi version <laughs> like,
0: right 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 well yeah it's it's the dunmeri version it's the this is who we worship this is the one who looks like us And so, therefore, we're going to worship this version of it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so it goes on and says, Akatosh was involved in the forging of the covenant with the new empire of humanity. We talked about this with uh, the Alessian revolt and the empire uh, and his blood was mystically joined with Alessia and her heirs, thus the dragonborn emperors of Temriel. The amulet of Kings was the primary token of his patronage and allowed the new empire of Cyrodiil to benefit from the stabilizing influence of White Gold Tower, maintaining the barrier between Mundus and the Plains of Oblivion. When that barrier is threatened during the Oblivion Crisis, Martin Septim was able to summon Akatosh's spirit and transform himself into the avatar of Akatosh. If you guys have not played the End of Oblivion, you need to play it. I mean, the graphics look a little bit old at this point, but it's still this epic moment where, uh, uh, spoilers: Martin Septim turns into a giant dragon <laughs> and fights Mehrun's Dagon, who's also a giant multi-armed, you know, humanoid-looking creature in, Mm -hmm. in the, in the, by the white gold tower, like in the the town of, um, uh, Cyrodiil in the, uh, the, uh, what's it called? The, um,
1: Near in the imperial city imperial
0: city i was like what's the name of the freaking town um and (laughs) and they fight right (laughs) right uh which appeared in the shape of a giant dragon made of fire this avatar dragon defeated mayroon's dagon re-established the mystical barrier between tamriel and the daedric realms the avatar transformed into a statue now located inside the ruined temple of the one that is freaking awesome and we don't actually get to go see It Because we don't get to travel to the Imperial City in Skyrim because Skyrim is the only game after these events that we've been able to play. So maybe in 6 we'll be able to go see it somehow. I don't know that we'll be traveling to Cyrodiil, but it'd be really cool to have at least, you know, some imagery of it because that sounds really, really cool. Now, it goes into a little bit into the Elven tradition. Ariel is accredited with creating Ariel's shield and Ariel's bow. And use the ladder to fire the heart of Lorcan into what is today Red Mountain. Of course, this goes back to the myth of um, Lorcan being slayed his heart being torn out and shot into the ocean That creating the island of Morrowind and the Red Mountain. However, the Cyrodiilic tradition uh, traditions of man do not maintain these artifacts as part of their stories of Akatosh and creation and do not provide any explanation to their existence or origins so there's there's a lot here <laughs> as with any of these there's going to be a lot here and um, we you have to parse it according to like we talked about the culture and do you have any other thoughts on this as just kind of an open concept because after the break we're gonna get into specifically a little bit more about the Elven perspective and then the possible connections to the Yakudin Pantheon which we haven't talked a whole lot about. What
1: do you think, Lotus? Um no, other than like uh I I mean other than delving into what we'll do in the second half about the more specific group's view on um Akatosh, it's just it's fascinating to see something that's I mean we've we've got an actual like like you had mentioned with the Oblivion Crisis, Akatosh itself does have the ability to Form and in that case, it's not really up for debate unless you don't think those events happened, even though you get to play through them. Where yeah, he Akdash manifests does himself, a physical, right? Yeah, yeah. He, it, becomes a literal dragon in that situation, right. so you do get to see one take on it. Now, these things can shape shift and all sorts of stuff, I'm sure, so it's right. not like that could be the only answer to the situation, but. At least part of what was said has some basis in it. Now, again, everything's taken in different perspectives from different um, societies. And one other thing, as you know, Dragon Breaks are very relevant to Akatosh specifically, I'm curious throughout the series if manifestations of Akatosh might be different in different threads of time that have happened in dragon breaks Mm -hmm. maybe that's where some of these alternate views have come from because theoretically they can both be true and not be true at the exact same time depending upon the you know thread of time that somebody was in the warp in the west was mentioned earlier you could kind of almost get akatosh being a khajiit Like a physical manifestation of a cat as well as a dragon simultaneously, but the other group never saw it. So maybe that's why they don't recognize it that way. So who knows? Right. If
0: you were an extremely powerful, intelligent entity... And you saw it as part of your duty to look over some of your creation, because as we know, all of the Aedra, at least according to the stories, have poured themselves into creation. They gave yes. of their own powers. That's part of why they're limited, is because they gave of their own powers into creation. So we are their either their creation itself, or we are descendants of them, as the elves would would claim. And so, if you're Trying to interact with that creation, knowing that they are lesser intelligence than you, they're lesser in their abilities and their power. Wouldn't it make sense for a creator or a father figure to communicate in a way with them that makes sense to them to lower themselves into a form and a language that might be beneath them, but works for communicating with them? So in that sense. Absolutely. Yeah, if in that sense if Martin Septim and the rest of the Cyrodiilians in the area are expecting Akatosh his avatar to look like a dragon, then why choose a different form? If you can choose any form, you might as well choose the form that makes sense with them so that they have a clear understanding of what's going on. If the Khajiit right. are expecting you to look like a cat, then look like a cat. It doesn't change your abilities right. or your power or your your ability to help them. But it does help convey that their expectations are being met because that's it's more important to communicate clearly with them than it is to be something that's more true. What is what is more true if you were able to be
1: anything? Nothing. Exactly. Everything's equally as true. You want. Right. And you want that connection to the people that you're dealing with. So it's like much like you said if you can form that connection just through like a physical oh i recognize this thing well there you go that's a common ground that can kind of ease ease you in so to speak so you know having different forms depending upon different situations totally makes sense as well as it it just seems like it would easily be within their realm of power to do i mean that that doesn't even right. given all the excessive powers the these deities have that doesn't even seem like a a difficult one mages and stuff have that power in the game so right 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 yeah the
0: transmutation uh, and those kinds of things like those are again lesser lesser magics and abilities you know well below the divines um so yeah i mean they can create reality so yeah being able to change their form or You know, appear as a form when they normally don't even appear as a form, you know, like they might be formless, but to give themselves form could, you know, sure. Why not? Um, Yeah, all of that stuff makes sense. All right. Well, we're going to move into some of the other perspectives and also the concept of the planets a little bit at the end of this.
2: Um, But why don't we go ahead and tackle the middle of the show? The skies are marked with numberless sparks, each a fire and every one a sign.
0: So here we are, in the middle of the show, and thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the patron episode, and thank you to everybody who helps support the show. If you are interested in supporting the show, and to make sure that we can keep doing this, then go to patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls where you can check out all the different rewards that you can get. Things like ad-free episodes are easy to get at the very, very lower tiers, and then e- other things like uh, being able to guest on future episodes, or even discounts on uh, some of the the things in the store, uh, including... Oh, including the... Uh, uh, why not Hermes Mora shirt that I happen to be wearing right now? Uh-huh. I usually wear the wrong shirts for each of the shows. Like I'll do an Elder Scroll show, but I'll be wearing like a Fallout shirt or something like. It's just kind of like it just ends up that way. I just pull something out of the you know the hamper and I'm like right, I'll just wear this one. Um, but this time I'm actually uh, wearing the the correct show uh, shirt for the show. Um, but then also uh, thank you to everybody who signed up over the last month. I've got a list here of different uh, people who pledged this last month so i'm going to call you guys out we have uh aaron g and uh blar and austin t thank you to all of you guys for pledging over the last uh month and welcome to the patreon and of course thank you to everybody who um signs up at any of the higher levels i got to double check and make sure yep yep noodle al dente noodle al dente tier five <laughs> still there Thank you, Noodle. Thank you for uh, supporting the show. If you wanna get called on in every episode, if you're a tier five or tier six, you can do that as well. So, awesome guys. Thank you for all of your support here. And you know what? I have to double check. I didn't set this up ahead of time. I'm gonna go look in here real quick, uh, see if we got any ratings or reviews to read out. And I'm pulling them up right now. I'm kind of, kind of slow to click on stuff today. Kind no
1: new, <laughs> no
0: new, no new ratings or reviews. We don't have any new ones in the last, in the last month. If you are on Apple podcasts and you have an account or don't mind making an account and want to leave us a rating or review on Apple podcasts, that's actually a really huge help because it lets people know that the show is still good and that you guys enjoy it and we'll read out <laughs> your future messages. I mean, it's just one of those things like, you know, when you're looking at podcasts and you're like, oh, they've got a lot of reviews from like a year ago. Are they any good still? You know, like th- it helps. So if you're a newer listener and you haven't left a review yet, we would absolutely love the help. And then you, it's you absolutely free. All you got to do is just log in and drop a review in. So thank you to everybody again for helping support the show. We'll uh, move on with the rest of the show. Here we go. Are you an avid player of the Elder Scrolls online and looking to take your game to that next level? Well, the Red Diamond Courier podcast is here to help. I'm Bob Chichinski. And I'm Dogbark24. We are two experienced players aiming to help others learn and improve through in-game knowledge and references. From PvE. To PvP. And everything in between. There's sure to be something for you in the Red
2: Diamond Courier. We,
0: we hope, hope you, you check, check us out. out. Thanks. Thanks!
2: Yes, yes, you're entirely brilliant. Conquering madness and all that. Blah, 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 blah.
0: So we've talked a little bit about the elves, and let's go through just some of the details here again in um, that section of the wiki, uh, and we'll get into a little bit more specific details, but I I really want to dig into the Yakudin side of this too. So according to the elven perspective, Ariel, king of the Aldmer, notice they call him king, they see themselves as descendant from him, is the elven. Analog to Akatosh and the chief deity of most eldmeri pantheons. He is the soul of Anuiel If you guys remember the the very first or second episode, we talked about these things this uh and Anu, Anuiel, so Anu created uh, was everything and then Anuiel according to their concept of creation was the soul of Anu that was like descended from him and then akatosh or Ariel was the soul of Anuiel descended from them like there's this weird chain that happens with that um, and that's all basically tied together in order to explain the beginning of time so it's when Ariel was descended from Anuel that's when time began that is the beginning of actual existence so most also oh sorry go ahead yeah
1: i was gonna say this is just like a weird it's how i always view this because i find many of the um (laughs) elven names tend to be um very similar at least for me so i mix them up if i'm not careful and it's funny because the easiest way at least visually in my own mind that i do my best to keep things organized when i'm trying to think of like okay which one is uh Oriel? <laughs> oh wait, that's the descendant of Anuel and it was Anu that was before that. So I, I don't actually know the official name for these things. Maybe you can actually those little um there it's I wanna say it's a Russian doll where you've got one yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Can crack and yeah. up, you crack it open nesting dolls. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. So that's what I always picture as the soul of the previous one and the soul of the previous one and that's actually how I always try to keep them organized It's just like okay we start with Anu and then you crack it open and you take out Anuriel and then you crack that one open and you get Oriel and then right, like, right and that's like the only way I keep their pantheon order it, it's just, that's like the image I always get when I'm trying to organize the elven perspective to this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you can remember it because the names become more complex. So Anu yeah. is just it's A N A N U, And then right Anu-E it's Anu-E-L. And, right? then, and then, L, then R-E-L and then, <laughs> L- is a different
1: consonant sound in the middle. And you yeah. just, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, it is, it's, I mean, that's the presumptuous, you know, we're, we're descendants of creation itself thing that the Mm -hmm. the elven pantheon has but at the same time it's just i don't know their their perspective is always very cringy to me just because (laughs) it's like well we just need to figure out which one of our ancestors dated back to the most direct connection to the creation of everything (laughs) it's right like right that is and you notice- That in is this a high sense of self.
0: <laughs> that that sense of self is again, an impression on the, the deity. Like this idea sure. that they are descended from the deity means that their deity has to be descended from th- something even more fundamental and powerful, right? Mm-hmm. So there, there has to be this descendancy pattern already created for them to be the continuation of that descendancy. And that that right. idea of the birth of the thing, the soul of the thing came from the previous thing, just like the soul of my child came from me. Uh, you know, like I, it is—they're born yep. with a soul, but I'm the one that gave birth to them. That like that kind of thing. Right. Um, or you know, helped with the birth. I'm male, so I didn't actually give birth, but you you get the idea. Um, <laughs> so it, it goes <laughs> on and says, "You, help. That's you I say. helped. It's I helped. Like, I was you, in the delivery 50% room.
1: Yeah, yeah, you were
0: 50 yeah. percent of how that works. Yeah, I was. I was. I was lacking a lot of sleep, and I was. Uh, I was not feeling great, but I was there. <laughs> I was there. Um, <laughs> I was supportive. Um, so anyway, <laughs> it goes on it says, uh, and says, most Altmeri and Bosmeri claim to be direct descendants of Ariel." In Valenwood, he is known as Ariel, Time Dragon, King of the Gods. However, early, early, social stratified Aldmeri society thought Ariel to be an ancestor spirit of the upper castes, and his worship was adopted by the Aldmer to better emulate their social betters. Again, it's all this culture stuff that's being like stuck onto them. As opposed to a dragon, most Aldmeri... Societies depict him as or alongside an eagle. Snow elves and aliens also worshiped Ariel because they had very similar culture. They all came from the Aldmer. However, the Alessian order cursed him and held his pride responsible for the sullied middle dawn. So there's a whole bunch of different things going on. I I wish we had more detail on like the aliens and their connection or the snow elves and their connection and, and how they saw themselves. We only you know, have such little detail about that. And when it comes to, like, the aliens, it's like, oh, lots of, lots of you know, Daedra worship and that kind of thing. But they still held on to yeah. Ariel. Like, that was still foundational in some way for them. Right. So, interesting stuff. Um, now, the Yakudins, I think, are the most interesting, because the Yakudins, of course, the progenitors of the, the Red Guards, and their concept of um, deities is very different. So, The closest concept we get for um, Ariel or Akatosh is in the the story of Satakal, the world skin. And we haven't gone a whole lot into Yakutin stuff. I should probably hold off on too much detail on this. But what's interesting is that there are a lot of parallels between different cultures. And in the Yakutin culture, there's no direct parallel for Akatosh, even though Akatosh is the primary god for the Siridilians and for the Aldmer and you know many of the elves, but for the Yakudins, there's no direct connection. The closest thing is is this, and it says this: uh, Sakatel, the world skin, is the Yakudin god of everything. You may, it may actually be more similar, something like Anu, and a fusion of the concepts of Anu and Padame. So it's even more fundamental than that because those two things were already divided. Uh, Satak right. and Akel are the habitable universe resulting of their interaction also called the Arbis or the Grey Maybe driven by hunger to eat one world to begin another Satakal also has much in common with the Nordic Alduin in Yokudan mythology Satakal has done and still does this many times over a cycle that promote that prompted the birth of spirits that could survive the transition notably Ruptga, the first who learned how to do so. These spirits ultimately became the Yakudin pantheon. So this idea from the Yakudins has to do with these cycles. These, um, uh, oh, what's the word? The word just fell right out of my brain. Uh, the cycles of time that play over and over and over again. Um, uh, oh. Ugh. It's going to come back Kelpies. in a minute. Kelpas. Yeah, this, this Kelpas thing. If you've heard the word Kelpas, we've talked about that a little bit before. We haven't really tackled it too much. But this idea that every period of time has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And then there's a next period of time. And only some beings are able to move from one Kelpa to the next. And they can actually transpose from one to the next. And that our reality may be inside but one Kelpa. And there may have been infinite realities outside of our kalpa before or possibly after. So it's this other completely huge concept. But within that concept is fundamentally this this concept of a period of time, the beginning of time. And that deity which is involved with the beginning of time has to do with Satakal, the world skin. So therefore would have a similar... Power or concept to akatosh being the creator of time so that's about the closest connection you can get to with the yakudans
1: right and there was a mention of um it, it having like a, a a a very common feel to uh, alduin from the nordic pantheon mm-hmm. which again we stop alduin from essentially destroying the world Bringing the end of the kelpa. Five. Right, Bring, bringing right. the end so, of the cycle. Yes. A- exactly. So, like, you've got that parallel as well, even though it's split and it's got its own thing, there's always this, like, thread that it's like, well, maybe it's just a much farther stretch from where most people in, in Tamriel have derived their beliefs. Because, again had that gone down and the dragonborn had not stopped that, would that have started? Like if Eldwin succeeded, would things have ended or would it have just started a new Celtic cycle? And it's like, well, there you go. Who, who knows? Because we were the linchpin in making sure that didn't happen. Unless I guess you got a game over screen and never continued. So, right. Right. (laughs) But um, yeah, we, we were the definitive factor that kind of blocked that. So now, is this Kalpa dragging on longer than it should? Right. We don't know because the final entry to the series is yeah. currently Elder Scrolls 5, so we don't know what's going to happen. Did we actually disrupt the flow of things? Did we break time? By did doing we
0: artificially this? extend reality in this Kalpa in a way that it should not have been? Did we take yes. did we wrest control from the plans of the gods and make something else happen?
1: Right. What, yeah. was he supposed to succeed? And that that actually right. p- screwed things up. It'll it'll be very curious to where the series goes past that time point, as opposed to being able to look back like we've been doing um, you know, with Blades and Elder Scroll. Well, actually there's there's notes of it with um Elder Scrolls uh Legends, if I remember correctly. It's been a while since I've played through the stories. But um that's a lot of backtracking as well and it's like we keep looking back prior it'll be interesting to see what happens as things go forward you know based on what have we actually done by (laughs) by preventing the world from ending right maybe this was the wrong thing because because death is a
0: part of nature it is part of the natural order everything begins and everything ends and you may not want it to end but that doesn't mean that it shouldn't you know? Right. Um, and, and so that's that's part of this concept of time and part of the concept of the god of time is that there's a beginning, a middle, and an end and that things kind of wrap up. It's actually very similar to uh, three of the principal Hindu gods. Uh, Brahma who creates the universe, Vishnu who preserves and sustains existence and then and it's it's spelt Shiva S-H-I-V-A but it's, I believe it's pronounced Siwa who destroys the universe. But Siwa is also worshipped because the the hindus know that it's not without siwa that you can't that you can get a new beginning uh just like a cycle of farming you have to you have to take up the crop and reseed in order to grow a new crop so it's all part of this natural cycle and even though destruction sounds dark it's actually siwa is actually one of the most worshipped of these deities um so it's it's an interesting concept, the, the way this all works together uh, and you. Well, you raised I mean, kind of this question in my head here about like, what if the canon ending for Skyrim is that we don't stop it and the world <laughs> and ends that we
1: actually lose <laughs>
0: and Elder Scrolls six begins in the next Kelpa and we don't. And that's like the big reveal is that you get like three quarters through the game and you realize. Why doesn't the history of this world make sense? Why is everything so different? And then you go, oh my, oh, we're in a different kelpa. Oh, that'd be,
1: that'd be real weird. (laughs) That'd be super weird. (laughs) Um, It'd be really cool. And without going super on a tangent, just because one of the things I love is how many different ways these things tie into each other, where you had just mentioned with, um, siva uh is that how you pronounce it yeah
0: okay um at least that's what so, i thought in college and who knows maybe things have changed since then that, I, maybe I my I instructor heard that was well
1: but yeah. again it's one of those things when you read it just off paper that's not how i would right it looks like shiva in fact when you see it in like the final fantasy right.
0: games i always said shiva because a lot of the, the yeah, powerful so things are are named off of these deities from the real world
1: um exactly right um but calling back a few episodes ago now uh, just on the tangent of uh everything with mayroon's dagon and being the 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 daedric prince of destruction one of the things originally referenced was the fact that farther back there was an element of hope mm-hmm. tethered to him mm-hmm. because it creates a new you you if you destroy everything then creation comes about as a result of it so it's similar vein of just because this kelp is ending doesn't mean that that doesn't relate to the birth of something new you can't, you can't grow right. something in an old place if you don't have the ability to remove what is there previously you've, you've got to yeah. have change so you have to harvest the
0: crop before you can plant a new crop
1: yeah right yeah. so yeah there, there's a lot of implications as to potentially we've done not so great a thing by being successful in <laughs> elder Scrolls five skyrim oh, potentially. who knows
0: <laughs> who knows who knows um zero thank you for zero piccolo is rating us with a party thank you zero piccolo and welcome to everybody um so let's let's move on to the end of this because there's also the connection of the Adra with planets and the planet that represents them and those kinds of things. So the planet, also known as Akatosh, sometimes called Akat, or the Eye of the Warrior, is one of the Dominion planets found in the skies of Mundus. And according to the warrior poet Vivek, which, of course, we all know how trustworthy Vivek is, is one of the eight known worlds. There are no known satellites orbiting it. Eight known worlds. Can you, like... Uh, this alludes to this idea that somebody's been there, you know, like somebody's walked around on it. Um, There are no known satellites orbiting it, but it marks the eye of the warrior constellation. So next time you're looking at your, your stats or you're you're playing with your, your CP points or whatever, and you pull up the warrior constellation, like look at one
1: of those eyes. That's that's Akatosh right there. Um, So I love that because I did not know that prior to reading this uh (laughs) for the show. So, I specifically just really want to act, look at that constellation afterwards cuz once I read that I was like I'd never realized that so now I want to check out the constellations and see that there. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's a cool idea that you like you can just pinpoint different planets in the constellations as the different you know, Adra, the deity, the deities. Um, the planet is simultaneously Akatosh in the plane of Akatosh, just like the other planets and their eponymous deities. Akatosh ruled from here before convention took place in the Merithic era, twenty five hundred. And convention was when all the different Adra got together and they decided to chop up Lorcan and shoot his heart into the sea. So. We all know how that ended. Um, the spilled sand is an obscure realm of existence associated with Alkosh. It has been speculated, of course, this is a kajiti perspective here. It has been speculated to be the realm of Alkosh, but this has not been confirmed. And it, as far as we know, is not an actual physical place at all. It may be something immaterial or spiritual, a place beyond our understanding of the physical world so yeah this idea that each of them existed on their own planets out there kind of looking down on all the events and things that were transpiring here here being you know nern <laughs> tamriel like oh, the stuff going on down here is is kind of cool how do you feel about that
1: this is the part where um <laughs> i a lot of this stuff i I really enjoy getting to uh, learn as we discuss it, and when when it starts getting into the uh, astrology uh, I guess would be the best way to put it of the elder Scrolls. <laughs> it starts getting just very strange because so little is known, so little is discussed, and in oftentimes there's like. Little references to things here or there, but it's it's so nebulous as a concept. But then you have situations like when they delve into things like constellations, It's it's weird to see that it's like these have these ties to all these other factors, but then it's like... Oh, in the in the final example you gave because again prior to this 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 was new information to me um the spilled sand being like an obscure realm to mm-hmm. alcott um but then that might not act like there's no evidence that that's actually a plane it's like right it right. it starts getting very strange when you deal with all these realms that do sort of exist don't sort of exist you've got then there's the, the the forms that i always find interesting um like the far shores or the sand behind uh the stars where <laughs> yeah. these are their forms of afterlife and it's like well does that tie into the planes but then you get to those planes physically from like right if you i'm mean, not really access to technology like that in the series but we'll use the dwemer for a, a goofy example here but like if they were to airship up and break out of the, <laughs> the planet, could they theoretically fly to one of these existences? Or go but through a hole? That all-
0: one, of the, one of the stars the way, being a hole it, to Ethereus? Could they make their way to the afterlife physically?
1: Right, because again, it's even mentioned in chat too, I was about to say, mm-hmm. the stars being holes mm-hmm. in the sky that bring you to the astral plane, it's fascinating as a concept, but also really weird, (laughs) just like really, really weird. And I feel like if we ever get to that point, that is going to be a deep, deep dive to try to figure out, because that is something I I have very little understanding of, because I've never really read into any of that too, too much.
0: Yeah, this is why, um, it must have been about a year ago, I was wrestling with this concept of what the souls actually are. Uh, and how a soul is maintained or harnessed in a soul gem—it's um, almost like the soul itself is potential energy that can be turned into physical stuff, and or turned back into potential energy, or something like that. Because you have these planets, which are, in some ways, like the husk of the the, the deity, just floating around out in the in oblivion. You know, like, and so maybe they can turn themselves into energy and manifest themselves in different ways. But for the most part, they just sit out there floating or something. And yet we would be able to physically be a part of that. It, I I don't know. I, I think that maybe there the distance between what is physical and what is spiritual is actually a lot closer in the Elder Scrolls than what we would assume. Um I I don't know. I, 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 again, I still don't have a full picture of how all of that stuff works. Um, because like like you said, there are a number of these different places you can go when you die, depending on which deity you believe in that some of them lead to just staying in oblivion forever. And some of them lead to a pathway to ethereus. Um, how does that work? <laughs> what are they actually sending through to Aetherius? Your soul? Are they manifesting you in a right. post-living body that gets moved over? Like, uh, does that work? Uh, how does how does this stuff work? Does it matter if it's a soul or a physical body? Does everything eventually transcend into energy across that plane anyway, or do you do you at that point move out of time and it doesn't even matter because Akatosh? Sure. He, his he's only. Effectively within the realm of the Oribus and once you're outside of that, it doesn't really matter anymore. I don't know. It's it's a, an interesting concept. It, it makes you wonder. I mean, a lot of these things tie to our own our own reality, our own understandings scientifically or spiritually of the of the world that we live in. And you take the concept like the Big Bang, and you know, obviously, you know, any third grader is going to say, "Well, what happened before that?" And technically, there isn't a before <laughs> that because that's what created time and space simultaneously so is there something right. outside of that you know and then uh, and we were talking yeah. during the pre-show about like well what if, if there's the concept that's floating out there that we all live in a simulation well if that's the case there was nothing before our simulation within our scale but there's a greater scale outside of ourselves uh it, so think about like playing a game if you're playing skyrim the game starts when you turn the game on it stops when you exactly. turn it off, exactly. right? And if you turn it on and off and on and off and on and off, the characters in the game don't know that anything changed. Like, they, they just boot right back up. Yeah. Um, so it's, is there a before it, and
1: it, after and a middle for them? Not really. Right. And it, it starts getting really difficult. Um, the further out you stretch anything as you, you don't even need to reach it, but as you start progressing toward these insanely large concepts and then you start getting closer to the, the concept of you know infinites or whatever trying to wrap your brain around something like that becomes increasingly more and more difficult because right, right. even when you deal just with very large numbers or spaces it starts becoming very difficult to contextualize that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then when it gets you know to these insane degrees of, of magnitude it's just like that's where you get into such speculation it's hard to nail down exactly what's there so especially in a, in a, in a series as open to interpretation as the elder scrolls loves to rely on <laughs> right right yeah it's it's interesting there's you know there are boundaries of
0: our own imagining and logic and those kinds of things but a lot, a lot of people even use that incorrectly they'll say things like um well could you imagine a triangle with seven sides and it's like well the, the definition of triangle forbids it from having seven sides so you've created something that cannot exist and then you know then well, couldn't god create something that cannot exist and well, well yeah but you'd have to change the definition of triangle and you know like there's all these concepts that don't make sense because the boundaries of our logic and if you break the boundaries of the logic then sure anything can happen but does that even does it matter like you know, are you just talking gibberish at that point? You know, there's, I don't know, all sorts of interesting concepts that you can go down this path, but um, but uh, that's it for, for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed our uh, our digging into this. We'll be going through the rest of the of the Adra, the rest of the classical ones, and who knows, maybe we'll dig into some of the Yakudin stuff. All of that stuff gets a little bit more wacky, but Probably more interesting, too. So stay tuned for that stuff. Lotus, what do you have going on other than not playing on PlayStation right now?
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, at the moment, uh, I will be... Uh, out of game uh, from the elder scrolls online side of things until that gets all repaired so best of luck to zoss for fixing that but uh in the meantime um you know i i haven't had as much time to stream just with everything going on uh, there's been events in eso which was holding most of my time i hope to get back to battlespire pretty soon and ideally um we will have another episode of uh, Tales of Tamriel this Saturday starting at 11 p.m. Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, game time's been slightly more limited. My puppy was sick all of last week, so that had me quite distracted. Uh, but she's all better now, so Aww. that that's good. So things are on the mend there, and hopefully I can get back to diving into game and uh, all that good stuff soon. Yeah, take good care of that little dog. And I've got, I've got my yeah. little dogs, too,
0: and they're... Uh, man quite personalities they're they're <laughs> yeah, she wants <laughs> eat trash
1: i think that's what made her stomach upset
0: that would do she it loves garbage that would do it don't eat garbage dogs dogs are the best but they're also super dumb <laughs> she, she,
1: she's very determined when she wants something yeah yeah little
0: dogs they're like arr, arr, no i'm gonna get it and it's like do you realize how much bigger i am than you those little teeth are not going to do anything um yeah yeah Well, awesome. Well, uh, let's see. My stuff, of course, I've got all the different Lorecast shows. Uh, They're all doing awesome. We launched the Mass Effect Lorecast a few weeks ago. That has been doing great. Uh, Lots of people have been chiming in and are excited about that, especially with the remaster Legendary uh, Edition that's coming out in May. Uh, I'll probably be playing through that on stream coming up. Um, Also, our Rocket Club, the the group that I've uh, been growing now, it's 10, we have 10 shows, actually 10 creators with more than 10 shows some of them are doing multiple shows um, who have signed up to be mentored with the robots radio rocket club and i'm helping them design their shows and market their shows and really get everything going and you know growing existing shows or launching new shows so if you guys are interested in that if you want to start your own podcast and you don't know a whole lot about how to do it or you know some stuff but you want to make sure that you're getting it out there and it's you're going to do it right this is kind of my big project right now is continuing to grow this because of all the all the positive results we've been getting some of these shows are already like they're two or three episodes in and they have over 100 listeners from the beginning like the average podcast has 60 listeners and they're already better than the average podcast within just a few episodes it's like it's nuts these shows are are killing it so if you're interested in that check out the robotsradio.net. Uh, page. There's a Rocket Club link at the top. You could just, or you could type robotsradio.net slash rocket club and go check that out. Uh, but that's what I got going on. We will see you guys again on Thursday. Sorry for this late episode. I hope you guys enjoy it, but we'll be back in just a few days. And Lotus, thanks for being here. Chat. Good to see you guys. Thanks for hanging out. Love the comments. And we'll see you next time. Talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please reach out to us at Lorecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at esolorecast. I really appreciate you listening, and I'd love to hear from you soon.
1: You've been listening to the Robots Radio Podcast.
0: Smart shows for interesting people.
1: Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Have you ever wondered how deep the Elder Scrolls lore rabbit hole goes? Have you got a grasp of the basics and want to find out more about the universe? Written in Uncertainty is here to help you. We'll be mixing in philosophy, theology, and whatever other theory is useful with Elder Scrolls texts to untangle some of the biggest questions in the series, like what are dragon breaks, how does Chim work, where did the Dwemer go, and more. Check us out at writteninuncertainty.com or find Written in Uncertainty on any podcatcher. Thanks for listening, and catch you later in the Grey
2: Maybe of Tamriel. Among them, two former rivals whose blood feud will tear West Virginia apart and their epic struggle for survival. Chad, a vault bro who has a strength of 15, an intelligence of 2, and is a complete wasteland dickhead. Simon, a complicated anti-hero who chooses light and hope but accidentally becomes a cannibal. And wakes up naked and afraid with a Scorch Beast Queen after a date goes terribly wrong. What? I mean, it's a wild wasteland, right? This dark humor radio drama will have you driving off the road and crawling out from under the fallout. Two men. One wasteland. And so many new. Seventy-six podcast, rated R, now streaming on your hollow tape player, podcasty thing.
1: Once upon a time, twenty-seven years after the bombs fell, there were two people: a vault dweller and a California girl. They met and sparks blue. That's when things got... interesting. Once Upon a Wasteland is their story. Follow Elizabeth Kirby and Odessa Valdez as they pursue their happily ever after in the post-apocalyptic Appalachian wasteland of Fallout 76. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcasting platforms. Once Upon a Wasteland, a Fallout 76 love story. Available now.